Weekly on Dublin Digital Radio. Hi, I'm Lizzie, and welcome to Current. Current is DDR's weekly podcast covering a range of social, political, and cultural issues. We want Current to be a conversation. Send us your stories and opinions, and please get in touch if you would like to be involved. We'll focus on a mix of topical issues and stories that have faded from headlines and news feeds. Current is an easily digestible overview and your space to get some understanding. Tweet us at at currentddr or email us at current at dubbindigitalradio.com. So here we are on the southwest corner of the square. There are 69 houses in total on the square, of which 47 of the original houses survive. And there was a big conservation battle fought here in the 60s and the 70s because in the early 60s uh, a well-known Dublin developer Matt Gallagher uh, started site assembling up here with the intention of demolishing the entire square and building four slab huge slab office blocks he brought in a ball and chain and illegally demolished numbers 55 and 56 so would you like to follow me in At the start of December, an illegal eviction was carried out at 52 Mountjoy Square. The landlord had sought to increase the rent more than twice in the two-year period permitted in the rent pressure zone provisions enacted in 2016. Not only that, he sought to increase the rent well over the 4% allowed in that same act. When the tenants called the landlord out and refused to accept the rent increase, the landlord Paul Howard served them an illegal eviction notice. I'm joined today for this episode of Current, Dublin Digital Radio's new flagship political programme by a representative of Dublin Central Housing Action. So, just to begin, how have Dublin Central Housing Action um, been involved in this um, in this illegal eviction? So, back in, I say, late, late October, um, we have a support group that runs in Hill Street Family Resource Centre on a Friday afternoon. And it's basically a place where tenants and people in housing difficulties can drop in and get a bit of help with their housing issues. And a tenant dropped into us and said he had this landlord harassing him and intimidating him and sending him all these messages and emails and um, that he was trying to increase the rent. So we, well, little did we know at the time it was going to turn into a four month uh, battle with this landlord, but we just did our kind of usual advice told him that he had rights, that he could go to the RTB, that what the landlord was doing was illegal and um, that we could drop down to his apartment and chat to more of the other tenants so we get a good idea on what they want and need. So that was Dublin Central's first involvement, I guess, in this whole issue and that's a good four months ago. Okay, and what type of harassment? How is the landlord harassing these tenants? So originally he had been sending messages uh, text or e- text mostly and whatsapp messages just saying things like i'm coming down to collect the rent uh if you aren't there i'm gonna still go in um when one of the tenants started complaining about that he said don't be com- don't be complaining to me um it was kind of just like subtle threats i guess and that like you'll be out in your ears you know that type of thing if yeah. if you start threatening me um, or if you start kind of getting into this type of back and forth. 
Um, then as the situation, I suppose, grew when the tenants themselves refused to take the rent increase and sent an illegal eviction notice, then it was like, I'm going to, I'll have you out by a week. Okay, can you tell me why the illegal eviction, or why the eviction notice was illegal? Well, originally he just sent an e- a letter uh, which said, your tenancy is finished, uh, you're out in three days. Okay. So right. under tenancy legislation, you have to have kind of a fully written up document explaining why uh, they're being evicted the correct length of time, which is normally a minimum of 28 days. Um, a whole lot, a lot of other details depending on what the reason is for the eviction. So you can't just basically send a message to someone and say you're out. Yeah. Um, and it is still very common for landlords to do that despite that being completely illegal. So Yeah. See, it seems like that there's a lot of tenants actually don't know yeah. their rights in some ways. Yeah. So for us, meeting them first was to explain you do actually have some rights. And when we started doing a bit of background digging on the landlord, um, we were finding there were a lot more apartments in the area which were owned by the same guy. And a lot of those other tenants were in a very similar situation. Both they didn't know their own rights. They'd been in for like short spaces of time. Um, they let, they, Paul Howard had been getting away with basically uh, harassing them, telling them lies, sending eviction notices, increasing the rent illegally. He'd been getting away with that for years, basically. Yeah. So we're finding that through a bit of work, actually chatting to all the different tenants in the apartments. Yeah, okay. So when uh, the illegal eviction notice was served... What did the tenants do then? The tenants, we helped the tenants file an RTB dispute, which is a residential tenancy board dispute. And what happens with that is... Um, okay, sorry, just who yeah. are the RTB? So the RTB are the residential tenancy board. They were an organisation set up, I think about two years ago. Yeah. Originally as the private rental tenancy board, um, where they covered private rental... Or their job was to mediate between landlords and tenants. Okay. And make rulings based on the tenancy legislation. Um, originally, if there was ever a dispute between a landlord and a tenant, it actually went to the circuit court. Okay. So you can imagine the uh, cost and the strain on the court system of having potentially hundreds and thousands of tenants and landlord disputes going there. So in many ways, it was a kind of way to like save money and l- create a yeah. lower system below the courts to deal with these type of disputes that were happening. Okay. So we'll come back to the RTB, I think, in a way, yeah. in, a, in a few moments. But so the tenants filed a dispute then with yeah. the RTB and what happened then? So when there's a dispute in, uh, the la- every notice or anything sent in is basically delayed until yeah. there's a hearing with the RTB. So any effort by the landlord to try to evict them at that point would have been completely illegal. Despite that, uh, the landlord threatened eviction on the 5th of December. He didn't turn up. Okay. And then a week later on the 12th, he did turn up with two men. Um, entered the property when there were no other tenants present yeah. and started to remove their possessions out into the hall and change the locks. Okay. Now that led to about a seven-hour standoff because tenants contacted us. We mobilised a kind of community response uh, and there was this kind of standoff where the landlord was inside with his people and uh, all of our members were outside and the kind of community members were outside and um, demanding tenants be let back in, the landlord leave. Yeah. So he eventually did by about eight o'clock that night on the twelfth. Okay. So how did you mobilize your members? So we'd have a, we'd have out? a call out list um, and the eviction call out list built up. Okay. So it'd be a quick text. The, the land the tenants would have contacted one of us, rang us, and then we would have sent a quick text out to people in the area to say land tenant landlord currently evicting tenants, help yeah. needed, um, contact this number. Yeah. And that led to people literally just to turn up. And that might seem mad. And I think people probably who turned up probably thought it was mad. that There yeah. was another 20 or 30 people there um, 
yeah within 25 minutes or a half hour but if that didn't happen more than likely the landlord would have been back into the apartment yeah. and their stuff would have been out and that Completely. would have been it yeah that would have been the end of the day and understandably yeah. that, that's a lot of strain and stress for, for tenants to go through yeah so without the kind of support from everyone um, that really would have been the end of it people after that a lot of people a lot of tenants did go to friends houses understandably to couches yeah just for a bit of safety and security but um it kind of would have been the end of the story if there wasn't that kind of mobilization yeah so the rtb hearing happened after yeah. the illegal eviction attempts so because the 12th oh, was a tuesday i believe uh the landlord tried to evict again on the 13th and we were there and on the 15th he cut off power electricity to the apartment yeah. and at that point uh the rtb actually got an injunction against him went to the courts and the courts ruled that he wasn't allowed access to the property until there were hearings yeah those hearings happened on the 9th and the 11th of january so it was another two weeks later um in all of those hearings about 80 pages of evidence were submitted by the tenants and the landlord submitted nothing yeah um he Apart from on the day, he turned up with maybe five or six pages of uh, Lego mumbo jumbo or Freeman yeah. nonsense. So he didn't actually engage, including he called the RTB a kangaroo court, in his <laughs> word. So he was, uh, not only did he not engage, but he was quite disparaging of the entire process. So um, the RTB made the rule then about two weeks later and awarded the tenants compensation. Um, but whatever that while that was happening or there being awarded compensation and we were deciding what we we're going to do next uh he came in on sunday at 10 in the morning with about 10 met other men hired security to break down the door yeah. evict anyone who was staying there and then bolt the place back up yeah and if i'd say some people listen to this heard uh or read in the newspapers that one of the people that were one of the Occupants of the apartment at the time ended up in hospital. Yep. There was people with bruising on their faces. These guys came in quite violently to get yep. uh, these people out of the apartment. Yeah. So, um, like, he seems to be a piece of work. I was reading more stuff about him. It's not just this place on Mount Joy Square he has, but I read somewhere that he, in one of his other apartments, I think in Harold's Cross, he had a woman and a daughter living in a shed. Yeah. Um, just the list goes on. It's outrageous, this type of stuff that he was allowed to get away with. The thing is, uh, I suppose it's going to happen. He might be, it might start happening in the media that he's seen as a bad apple. Yeah. In a generally good basket of nice yeah. landlords. But to be honest, it's fairly, this type of stuff is very widespread. Um, low level intimidation from, from these type of landlords, serious overcrowding, um, cash paying tenants um, with high turnover because the conditions are very poor. Um, it's become quite normal because of the desperate uh, housing market where yeah. tenants, 40 or 50 tenants are queuing up for a place to get a view in um, and landlords have, their power has incredibly increased in the last three years or yeah. four years as a whole. So they're all in the position where they just want to make as much money as possible. Um, that's the logic. Yeah. And they're being allowed to get away with it and in fact be able to do pretty much whatever they want because of the desperate situation tenants have been put in. And this should be the role of the RTB in some ways yes it acts as a mediator between tenants and the landlord but it also should be kind of the place where kind of the landlord's power is checked or it kind of should act maybe as a regulator am I correct in that yeah it's an interesting one because the problem has always been how did the RTB enforce an order yes so you get compensation um awarded to tenants three grand four grand ten grand but how do they actually get that money out of the landlord yeah. If the landlord comes in, breaks down the door, 
they got an injunction this time, but they didn't protect the injunction. Yeah. And they didn't they didn't uh, give the powers to the Gardaí to protect the injunction either. So I'm saying it, they seem a little bit unable to handle the situation. Yeah. And whatever there is about someone in the middle or a regulator or something that's going to make it a bit more fair, there is a need for tenants predominantly to be protected. Yeah. Um, that's how we'd see it. And the RTB for us could be useful in terms of delaying tactics. It's useful when it's more cut and dry in terms of uh, incorrect eviction notices or rent increases. But when it comes down to this type of intimidation and a kind of longer um, conflict between landlords and tenants, it's hard to see how they're going to be able to sort that out. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even I read somewhere that Paul Howard had owed, was it 15,000 euro? Yeah. Um, in previous RTB disputes, which he lost for like previous illegal evictions and yeah, things like that. And he never paid. There was nobody to put pressure on him to pay. So yeah. when landlords know they're not going to be punished, they're not going to change their behavior. Yeah, because if they get dragged through the RTB by two tenants, so the other thing about the RTB is it's the responsibility of the tenants effectively to build up their own evidence yeah. and go through a very long and laborious process Um where they normally don't have the money to get to hire a solicitor. Yeah. And the landlord does have the money to hire a solicitor and do the paperwork for them. So the odds are kind of stacked against tenants, unless you have a system of actual legal representation for tenants, which starts taking some of that burden off them. Um, at the moment, it's com- even when it says it's neutral or fair or mediator, yeah. it isn't stacked that way currently. Okay. And a lot of tenants will fail to engage with the RTB's process even if they could win because they've been under an incredible amount of strain and stress and it looks like they're just going to extend that for six weeks eight weeks and yeah. might not get anything out of it at the end so for people listening to this and might be having trouble with their landlords would you encourage them to go to the RTB or would it depend case by case put it in anyway put it in anyway it yes. is good it means that if any actions are taken by the landlords they become illegal and um, it helps in that way on a very basic protection but after yeah. that, there is a need and what has been shown, I suppose, from the 12th and from last Sunday with the evictions that happened, there needs to be a community response and a response yeah. from groups on the ground, from parties, from organisations, from trade unions, from everyone to basically take very seriously um, the protection, security and safety of tenants. But also, to be honest as well, fair rents as well, because yeah. at the moment, it's that's creating an absolute hardship for a lot of people so i think there's a need to simultaneously use the rtb and work in it but not be limited by it either and be willing to take other measures and to put pressure on landlords and protect tenants okay so well when we look at what happened in mount joy square there was so much pressure put on paul howard to the point that he was all over he ended up all over the media he ended up um it ended up yesterday with the receivers coming in yeah and where were the tenants? Where are the tenants now at the moment in this? All it's the story seems to be about Paul Howard, and it seems to be about the receivers coming in, but I, I haven't really read about the tenants have been left in limbo. Okay, um, and that is part of the problem. That's probably part of our role is to support the tenants. Okay, and our main concern is the tenants. So you have now a number of properties that Paul Howard will try to hold on to and collect rent from, while receivers are also moving in and asking to collect rent. Then you're going to have a few properties that might not be covered by the receivership. 
and then you have all the former tenants yeah so 50 to 100 tenants have already come forward in various through various mediums social media and other things talk yeah. about what they've been through so you don't have any justice for the previous tenants you don't necessarily have guarantees for the current ones yes and to be honest that is being lost a little bit and a receiver's moving in is like he probably deserves it but they're opportunistic they're yes. seeing their chance to get their money back for the yeah. loans they made they're not necessarily on the tenant side either no and we won't be treating them any different than a landlord um, and we'll be asking that they make sure that they don't repeat some of the poor conditions and their uh, failings that has happened so far that they have to be able to offer a fair contract fair rent and some security to the tenants going forward okay otherwise to us they're also a problem yeah absolutely yeah and um can you tell me maybe a bit more about dublin central housing action yeah sure um so we started about three years ago we were involved originally with the start of the irish housing network who were kind of a network of groups around the country yeah and then we took over a building in the inner city of dublin called on balton street called the bald hostel to house people over the last week or so we have occupied balton street that used to be a hostel we believe that it should be used to good purpose to use for good purpose which means that we can put homeless and those that are at risk into the hostel and not be on the street and that turned into a big three-month campaign. Yeah. And out of that, a lot of local people got involved and that turned into a group that could felt they needed to do something around the housing crisis. And a lot of people that are involved are tenants or have been in emergency accommodation themselves. So it's a situation where we feel we need to support each other, uh, improve the living conditions and housing conditions for us and for everyone in the area. Um, and I suppose support each other and organise around that stuff so the main things we do we do have a community dinner once a month the next one's on february 10th it's in jigsaw on 10 belvedere court that's a good chance for people to come together talk over food and actually get some support and we want a weekly support group kind of like a drop-in people do come in with housing problems and we work from there yeah and we've kind of decided out of what was who was coming to the support group and who was coming to the dinners there was a need to focus specifically on emergency accommodation and uh, slum landlords in the area that it was all in very close uh, proximity around Mount Joy Square yeah. it was where our effort with a very limited resources to focus on that a bit more um, but we didn't obviously expect it to blow up as much as it did yeah. Um, yeah. so is that kind of the plan of action for the year? For us it's to expand yeah. the tenants organising yeah. and work with other groups to do that Okay. Um, it hasn't ever been a thing where stu- for example students are being screwed over in new student accommodation why can't they form their own student yeah. tenants groups uh why can't each estate have that what about all the apartments and slums and apartment blocks we want to encourage tenants to organize themselves some and have some type of response um which focus on rents and also conditions something in because a lot of people um living in the city center especially around this area are students coming from uh south america or central america and one thing i found interesting from just reading about this case was the brazilian kind of groups that have become involved that are resisting um evictions but also telling people coming over here their rights and stuff because basically they were the most easily exploitable group yeah it's really important yeah um and we're both trying to deal with the specific issues that specific communities have. So the issues might be slightly different for council tenants 
um, just off Mount Joy Square than they are for like a couple of overcrowded yeah. uh, apartments where Brazilians are living, which might be different than older Chinese community that are uh, around Parnell Street. Yes. So there's going to be slightly different issues for different communities, but there are also things which are going to hopefully bring them in common. Yes. They all have some level of tenancy rights. They are there is problems of overcrowding, poor conditions, really high rents, and they all do have a common, I suppose, enemy, which is the landlords who are exploiting them. Yeah. So we're hoping both to like support the communities to organize themselves and also try to connect them together. So it has been really, really significant for Brazilian groups to come out of the woodwork and start to support yeah. the Brazilian community. Um some of the because uh, yeah, it's completely true, some of the worst conditions are um the yeah. Brazilian community what they're facing okay and I have just one more question would you consider um kind of would you consider it a victory what happened to Paul Howard like you took on a landlord and you basically won yeah that's a yeah. victory uh, it's not one of those shout from the rooftops and say we're all clear and everything's yeah. sorted now it's kind of like I suppose it's a victory and the start of maybe the start of something um, a fight back for tenants in 2018 yeah um which there have been fight backs around homelessness and um some bits of housing issues but tenants haven't so far on a large scale yeah i think this is hopefully going to give them a bit of confidence that they can stand up for themselves they can organize and they can get supported as well they were there to support them they're not going to be on their own they're not going to be isolated so yeah it's a victory in the start of something hopefully okay brilliant great thank thanks you. for talking to us if you would like to help out with Dublin Central Housing Action, or if you are having trouble with your landlord, check out their Facebook page, Dublin Central Housing Action. That's all we have time for this week. Thanks for listening to Current, and remember you can tweet us at at currentddr, or email us at current at dublindigitalradio.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes, and follow us on the Dublin Digital Radio SoundCloud.